0: Welcome to the Core Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Becky Fraser, and today I am so excited about the guest that we have with us. Um, This person is somebody that I just admire so much. When I think about her, I think about sacrificial love. I think about fun and joy, and she just exudes um, happiness and the peace of Christ everywhere she goes. So I'm so excited to welcome Sarah McKay into uh, the Core Stories podcast today. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, your story.
1: Thank you, Becky, for having me today. This is actually my first podcast, so forgive me if it's weird. <laughs> um, <laughs> I grew up in Middle Tennessee. Um, I've lived here my whole life. I haven't ventured out very far. Um, I grew up Church of Christ, typical Church of Christ, and went to a small Christian college. But as a teenager, I um, went to a church camp with a friend of mine, and. That friend happened to be a child that um, went to Youth Encouragement Services as as a teenager. So she was in the neighborhood there, and she invited me to come, we called it the hobby shop back then, um, invited me to come there and play on the basketball league because they needed some more players. So I went to the MacGyver Street, YES gym, and joined the basketball league, and it was I was about 15 years old, and that was the first time that I had really gotten out of my comfort zone and been around people that were not like me. They were not of my socioeconomic class, um, and it just opened my eyes to a whole new world. And I just fell in love with with the neighborhood, with the kids, with with what they were doing there. So from there, I started to be an intern. I went to summer camp with them every year for several years and was involved in their um, their church that they started there. So youth encouragement services was a huge part of my um, teenage years and in well into my 20s. Um, also at church camp, I met my husband, Tony. He You may have seen him around Otter Creek. He has a blonde ponytail he is not a typical otter creek member but he was also at that church camp that summer and he grew up in in a pretty bad neighborhood he started going to church his minister his youth minister i'm sorry was driving around in a van picking kids up for vbs pretty much old-fashioned door knocking so that's how he started going to church because he just wanted a free meal at BBS so he did that and then he went to church camp and then he met me um, and so we have we dated off and on um, throughout our teen years and into our 20s and eventually got married when we were 25 and 26 this whole time I was involved with YES and with the kids there I'm formed several relationships with girls, teenage girls, um, as sort of a mentor-type figure. I I just love those girls. And, and when you're from a neighborhood like that, a lot of times you do have family there, but they're not supportive of um, furthering your education or going to church, things like that. So I tried to be... Um, sort of a big sister role to them several of them is, is typical in their neighborhood to have babies when they're young so I was in the delivery for several um, of the girls and still keep in contact with them to this day um, my husband since he did grow up in, in a poor neighborhood he his goal it was to get out his goal was not to immerse himself in that culture and that was very hard for me to to kind of leave my kit sorry it just makes me emotional to leave my kids um but I you know I we were married and I you know we have to respect you know each other's wishes so we had uh two children we now have a six-year-old and a four-year-old and that fire inside my soul was still there it I couldn't get rid of it 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 was there I knew that I couldn't just live in my house in Brentwood and swim in my pool knowing that there's kids that that need me um I'm trying not to make eye contact with Becky right now because we're both
0: (laughs) tearing up a little bit we're both crying
1: a little bit um so and I'm not anything special I, I I mean I lose my patience and I'm just not a great mom a lot of the times but I do have a room in my house so and I and I know that I can share that with with people so anyway so we had our, our two babies and when they were three years old and one years old I told my husband okay I'm ready to be a foster mom <laughs> and he's like "Uh, what we we've not discussed this before I was like well we're going to a meeting at agape so if you're not going to let me, you know, be with my kids, my other, the, the YES kids, then you know what? We're going to be foster parents. And he, um, he took that out. He's like, okay, I'll go with you to an informational meeting. So we went to an informational meeting and, um, we fell in love. He fell in love with the mission and he is uniquely positioned to, to relate to these kids and the parents. Um, so we went through the training, and and now we're foster parents. So we only wanted to take young kids um, under the, our daughter's age, and she was three at the time. But our first um, kid that came through our house is a ten-year-old boy. So <laughs> the Lord does what He wants. Just throwing that out there. Uh, <laughs> and we had him for a week, and it was a great first experience. And so throughout the time, this time. As foster parents, we've had several kids come through our house. And to me, it's been a great way to show the love of Jesus to to families. Birth families are, are my passion. Um, a lot of people get into it to adopt, and that's great and that's wonderful, but that's not what we got into it for. We want to be – our goal is to be a, a link to – the next step whether it's adoption we are willing to adopt if it comes to it but we really 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 want to fight for the birth parents because they go through things that we can't even imagine they don't have the support that we have Um, so I think it's important for them to have people in their corner and fighting for them Um, anyways that's that's kind of where I am Becky what what else would you like me to (laughs) expound upon
0: I just love that story. I love hearing about that fire in you and how you um kind of fought for ways to um express that and Uh, live that out in the world Um, and I just also love this idea of looking around and saying I don't have a lot but I have an extra bedroom what can I do with that Um, and I think that that's as Christians that's what we're called to do we're called to just look around uh, at the things that we have and say how can I use this for the glory of the kingdom of God so thank you for sharing the beautiful ways that you do that so you currently have how many foster children living with you
1: Right now, we have um, a little three-year-old boy that we have had for two years, and he is most likely going to be going home soon. Um, that's been a long journey with his mom and his dad, but we're very proud of the progress that they've made. And we have a teenager, a little girl, a big girl, I guess. She's little. She's four foot eleven, but <laughs> <laughs> she's seventeen, and she's from Guatemala. And we also are foster parents to her little baby girl. She's ten months old. So we have three foster children currently. Um, so it's 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 a manageable number right now. And I, you know, I'm always scared that my phone's gonna ring. And who knows? You never know. Right now we have five kids, but tomorrow we could have six. Tony would probably say we won't have seven or eight, <laughs> but...
0: <laughs> but recently you did have seven, yes, right? Yes,
1: we, in, last year, in October, we got an email from Agape, who's the agency that we go through, and for a five-year-old and a six-year-old sibling set, so two little boys that spoke Spanish um, exclusively. And they couldn't, in here in Middle Tennessee... There are a lot of foster families, but they tend to be white, middle class, middle slash upper class families, and they, well, most of them probably don't speak Spanish. I'm just being broad. I'm not, I'm just assuming. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I think they were, I think that was the reason they were hard to place, because they wanted to place some of the family that spoke Spanish, which is understandable. A language barrier is very hard to overcome, Um, but... My husband is in construction, so he speaks Spanish every day, <laughs> and and I took Spanish in high school, so I'm like, well, I mean, it's 2020, so actually it was 2019 then, but okay, it's 2019. And there's Google, so we got a little Google, um, a little Google Home, and we would just say, "Hey Google, be our Spanish interpreter," and she would tell them whatever we needed to tell them. Um, but as time went on, kids are so smart and kids are so resilient. They, they learned English. In I mean, they knew minimal English, but they, they within a month or so, they were great. Um, but one of my funniest stories: I was every day, you know, I would ask them what they wanted to eat, and so I had been asking them for weeks, "Would you like some grapes?" in Spanish, and I thought. I was asking them, do you want some grapes? But actually, I was asking them, do you want to eat some balloons? And so, like, the Spanish <laughs> word <laughs> was not the same thing. And they kept saying, no, you know. And I'm like, what? I thought all kids like grapes. And then finally, when I learned the word, they were just laying on the floor laughing at me. I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I've been doing this. You poor babies. That's so hilarious. that's just funny. There's lots of stories like that with the language barrier. Um but yes, so they went on to their next destination. So we're back down to to five kids, and that was a whew, that was a wild time in our life. We we felt very supported by Otter Creek during that time. People, even the simple act of walking to the car after church um, was a feat. And the check in station, you know, um, printing out all all the stickers. <laughs> so there's how many stickers is that? I don't even know. Like. I don't even know. It's a lot of stickers. And so, anyways, my apologies to Otter Creek for using up all the labels on Sunday mornings on the McKay family. Um, but yes, that was a very interesting time. And our our foster daughter, the seventeen year old with her baby, she's been the she's been a great blessing to us and she wants us to get more babies. So <laughs> she promises to help me.
0: <laughs> That's great. So what makes you keep saying yes? You have a house full of children. What makes you keep saying yes when Agape calls and says, do you have room for one more?
1: Um, I just think to myself, I try to give myself like five minutes now before I respond <laughs> and let somebody else do it. Um, but I I just think, why not? I just think... Um, these kids are here. And I and I and I pray about it. We don't we don't say yes to every email that comes through and every call that comes through because you just can't. I mean, you literally physically cannot do it. But we every email that comes through, we pray over it and we and I think like I I try to ask the Holy Spirit to just like lead me in the right direction. Please tell me if I should say yes or no. And um because my no will be someone else's yes. I just think we, we, we just live such an abundant life, not us specifically, but America in general has such abundant life and we have so many things. And I think a lot of time we strive for comfort over everything, safety and comfort over everything. And I just think the love of Christ should be over everything. I just think that um, generosity should be what we strive for. I think if I can do it and I think if I can step out in faith then the Lord always provides for us whether it be physically through clothes on our doorstep or diapers or just encouragement um just people texting me I've had I've been walking down the hall at church and someone gave me a Kroger gift card I mean just I didn't ask for that and 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 people just wrap around and take care of you so I would encourage people even if don't feel like you can take a child into your home find a family like ours um i would love for it to be ours but it doesn't have to be ours um that you can encourage even sending a message even praying for them you know just literally texting them i'm praying for you guys that's important i mean we couldn't be foster parents without the encouragement of others um but yeah when i when i think of them and i say yes i just think what if it were my children? They are just sitting in the office with a worker, you know, listening to these phone calls over and over and over again about their life. Um, and I would, I wouldn't want someone to take my kids in if, if it came down to that, ever.
0: Yeah. So, is there a big need for foster parents in the United States right now?
1: I would say yes, specifically uh, for sibling sets and teenagers you know everyone wants a baby everyone wants a newborn and um, actually last night my friend she's a single woman she texted me and said hey remember when we said she's a foster mom and she's not had a placement remember when we said taking three kids would be a lot for your first placement and I said yes well I just accepted Um, three kids last night so last night I was able to be there and she took them into her home 12 years old on down to a little two-year-old and she said yes and accepted them but yes so sibling sets because you don't want siblings to be separated because they've already lost everything else and um and then teenagers people are scared of teenagers and and I think the the rate of the calls have gone down during coronavirus, um, just because there's less eyes on these kids. There's no teachers, daycare workers, um, things like that. But they are expecting to see a, uh, an increase in calls once everyone starts coming out again. They're expecting to see a huge jump. And there's always there's always a need for, for foster parents, um, especially especially for those the big large sets of kids because it's rare to find one baby by himself you know and a lot of times that family member will take that baby but if it's three kids three school-age kids that's a lot harder to place so empty nesters I'm talking to you right now (laughs) (laughs) they need you they the teenagers especially they need experienced parents they need seasoned parents that know how to walk them through and and a lot of times they age out of foster care and they're what is their choices they they go to prison they get pregnant out of wedlock that's kind of an old-fashioned term but they they just do and and they don't go to college so they need a family to come home to can you imagine graduating high school and then just being alone and not having a family to come home to um anyways this is a really big a really big problem right now um I've heard of teenagers Going night to night, they'll go to a foster home one night, and then at 6 a.m. the next morning, they're woken up. Actually, our foster daughter did that. They, she went into a house at midnight every night for a week, and then at 6 a.m. they woke her up, and then she went and sat in the DCS office all day. And she's a sweet, sweet girl. Mm. Um, anyways, it's just it's just hard to think of a teenager living their life like that when there's yeah. teenagers <laughs> in our lives that are just, you know, living it up and and you know having a great life but it's not fair and a lot of times it's not for anything that they've done it's just their parents that poor decisions.
0: Hmm. so what would your advice be to somebody who is considering fostering who who kind of feels like maybe this is something that god's calling them to but they're not quite sure what what would you say to that person
1: I would say that you can start off by doing respite care,
0: which is it
1: is, for example, if um, my husband and I wanted to take a romantic trip to Hawaii, <laughs> um, we would need someone to watch our foster kids. So, they like my mother, for example, watched our 17-year-old and her baby last week. So she had a background check done, and that's that's pretty much all she had to do. Um, for anything over forty-eight hours, you do have to have a background check done. But um, anything less than that, for example, if you wanted to, to ba- even babysit, um, then then you can do that for current foster families and just to see if you if you can handle it. and, and that's what we did. Our first we have several several kids come to us for respite for 10 days two weeks at a time even a weekend at a time um, to kind of ease you into it um, but if you are pretty sure you want to do it then you can always go to an informational meeting it's no pressure agape uh, has it that's the agency we go through but you can do um, regular department of children's services through the state you could do foster care through them and just google it and you can see the informational um, sessions and a lot of it is online right now so it's super easy to do if you just want to do the, the information session and then you would take a few weeks of classes and have a home study and and that's it and you can all anybody can reach out to me at any time if you want to talk about it and see if you can do it but I'm telling you if I can do it you can do it <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's great so I would imagine um, in being a parent in general, there are moments of of utter, frustration and exhaustion and <laughs> how am I going to make it through this and then there are moments of deep deep joy and gratitude and I would imagine that having a houseful of children that um, belong to you and um, have have birth parents that are somewhere else uh, would would just deepen both of those things um, would you say that that's been your experience yes I
1: would agree with that I I thought I was a pretty patient person and I thought I was a good person. Um, but being a parent in general, even before we have foster kids, it it brings out the worst in you. You pray for patience and then the Lord just gives you a really hard day. And that's how you learn patience, my dear, is to, <laughs> you know, go through these trials with your toddler. Um, yes, I, I think everything. And being a parent, everything is just amplified, and it it stretches. It has stretched me in ways that I never I never knew possible. When my husband and I were first married, we we hiked the Appalachian Trail. Um, so we literally lived outside for six months and hiked every single day, like twenty miles a day, and slept in a tent at night. And literally, being a parent is harder than that. <laughs>
0: That definitely puts it into perspective. (laughs) Wow. It's
1: it's 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 the constantness of it, and um, yeah, it's it's very hard. I I can't even put it into words how frustrated I feel sometimes, and how overwhelmed I feel sometimes. Um, But you know, being able to to call a friend or to take a break or just I just pray every day for supernatural strength like I cannot do it by myself I I can't I just pray Lord please just give me an extra measure of strength and if you can't make the burden lighter just make my shoulders stronger mm-hmm. like and just help me get through this day and that might sound dramatic and may I am quite dramatic sometimes my husband will attest to that <laughs> But it is hard. It is. It is really hard, especially when you're. You don't know if you'll see the fruits of your labor. Um, oh man. Our, yeah, like our little boy, like our little three-year-old. We had him for two years, and he's gonna go home. Uh, is my my crying and my sweat and my tears and my raising him? What is? Will I ever see that? You know, come to fruition. Um. But anyways, that's all you can do is just hope hope that it does and just plant the seeds and and hope it grows and put the love of Jesus in their heart and you know I tell him every day you're a good boy you're always going to be a good boy so I just want my little voice on a tape recorder in his mind um as he goes through his life remembering remembering that um and it's an honor to be a parent to someone else's child I mean it's a huge responsibility and it's it is an honor really um to have someone trust you I can't imagine someone else raising raising my my kids Um,
0: Hmm.
1: yeah it would it would definitely be hard to give control to someone else so yeah
0: do you have any stories that you might want to share about some of those really deeply beautiful and um moments of just deep gratitude
1: My seventeen is—I kind of like teenagers now more than babies, because <laughs> she can she can talk and express her feelings. Um, she told me the other day. She said, "Before I came to you, oh no, we're gonna cry again." <laughs> <laughs> the other day, she said, Bef- "The foster home I was at before I came to you, they wouldn't let me see my baby, <clears throat> and I felt like I wasn't her mom. But when I came to you, you made me do everything." <laughs> But she was grateful for that. And she said, and my hair was falling out, and I didn't smile for months. Um, But now I'm smiling again, and now I'm laughing again, and I have my baby. And my hair is growing back. And you don't make me shop at Walmart for clothes. (laughs) (laughs) And that, I mean, how how can you replace that? Like, how can you... And that's so simple, like just not, I don't know, just treating them like a person, like a human. That's not hard to do. Mm. Um, And she's written me notes before. Sarah McKay is the best foster mom ever. I've yet to get anything like that from our (laughs) (laughs) three-year-old. But he's he's sweet in his own way. When I'm putting him to bed at night, he'll hug me and say, he'll say, I love you too much, mommy. I'll always be a good boy. And he just, I'll miss you so much when I go with my other mommy. So it's very, very sweet. Um, And it almost makes up for his poor choices during (laughs) the day. (laughs) Um, I was trying to think, oh, on Father's Day, so one of the kids, the three-year-old's father is incarcerated and he called us and he said from he only gets a few minutes to talk I guess because you have to pay for it but he said I just wanted to um, wish Mr. Tony happy Father's Day um, and I said oh thank you you too and and he's like you know what Miss Sarah I grew up in foster care and I know what it's like to have bad foster homes and I just want to thank you guys so much for taking care of my son and because I can't right now and um, he he, the gratitude I mean he was in tears I could tell over the phone talking to me like just thank you so much for doing what I can't do for stepping in when I can't do it when I don't have the support Um, and I grew up in foster care and now he's it's, it's this cycle right but knowing that he's grateful for that and knowing that we've made a difference in his a tiny minuscule difference in his life and knowing that people are still good there's still good people out there I think that's huge to me and that was very very special to me and my husband that he that he reached out specifically used his minutes um, yeah. to call us and tell my husband that really really sweet
0: yeah that's beautiful so you you said earlier that you have a passion for um, the birth families and reuniting these children back to to their parents. And uh, I also heard you mention kind of the pain that comes along with all of this effort and love and sweat and tears that you're pouring into these children, and you may never see the fruit of that. So how do you hold that intention, that this longing to be there for parents? and also knowing that it's going to hurt so bad to send to send that baby boy that you've been with for two years back to his parents?
1: I think the most important and best way is to make a relationship with the birth parents because if she's not some vague name on a piece of paper anymore. Yeah. You know, she's a real person. We text, we FaceTime, um, She's come with us to doctor's appointments and just asking her about her life. How did you grow up? Trying to understand why she made the choices that she made. Um, And joking around with her. And just like having, like, we had a birthday party for her one time. The caseworker set it up in the Agape office, which Agape is just amazing. This is not a commercial for Agape, (laughs) but they really are. Um, Just seeing her as a human and and not as the enemy. Because I think a lot of times, People go into it thinking, these people are awful. How could they ever do this to a child? Mm -hmm. But just seeing them as a person and knowing their story and encouraging them, um, I think that makes it a lot easier to give them back, if you will, give the kids back. Really, it's not my choice. I mean, the state decides what it's going to do. But if I know how much she loves him and I ask her about, When he was a baby, what what are the things that y'all like to do? Can you send me some baby pictures? Um, So I've seen pictures of her pregnant with him. I've seen his newborn pictures. Because I think a family needs to be preserved above all. Because if we just take these kids and just put them in a rich, white home, that doesn't solve any problems. I mean, that's – I don't personally feel like it does. But if we can keep families together, I think that's – and there's, of course, there's always times where the families are just not safe. I don't know the exact number, but there are times when the child just cannot go back. And they, despite the foster parent's best efforts and the state's best efforts, it's just not in the best interest of the child. But, um, but being poor is not one of those reasons. Mm-hmm. Being in poverty is not one of those reasons. Um, yes, growing up in Brentwood would give you great privilege, and it would give you – most likely a college education and a great job but it's not wrong to be poor it is wrong not to take care of your child but it's it's not a crime it's not a crime to be poor and I think people need to wrap their minds around that just because he won't have the nicest clothes or the nicest shoes doesn't mean that he won't be loved and taken care of and safe mm-hmm. but yes it's it's very hard to wrestle with a uh, trying to balance that out, our love for him and then wanting the best for him, but then also wanting him to be with his family. It's, that's very, very hard. But there's some kids it's super easy to send back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. Keeping it real. <laughs> <laughs> there's some
1: kids that, you know, they, they got to go. They got to get out. No, I'm, I'm kidding. But but really, though, it's the hardest part to me is not sending them back. The hardest part is doing it. And the daily, the yeah. daily struggle.
0: Yeah. So what will you, would you say that you have learned about yourself through this journey of being a foster mom?
1: I kind of alluded to that earlier. Um, the main thing I've learned is that I'm not a patient person. I thought I was, I really thought I was a nice girl, but I'm just not patient. Like I, I'm just not, I, I want things to be done and I'm just I just need to wait on the Lord, and I and I try to, when I quiet my mind, I can hear, I guess it's the Holy Spirit saying, just watch, just wait, just wait. Maybe that's my mom's voice, <laughs> saying, maybe both. Just be patient, just wait. Um, I'm going to find a way, and so I've learned that about myself, that I really need to practice patience, and I need to work on patience. Um I've learned that it's hard for me to accept help, even when I'm struggling. But Otter Creek, people at Otter Creek, could forced me to accept it. And one of my friends here, she's very wise, and she said, don't deprive people of an opportunity to serve.
0: Oh, man, that's good.
1: If if they want to yeah. bring you a meal and you tell them no, you're taking that opportunity away from them. And I'm like, you're right. Sign me up for the meal train. Yeah. <laughs> like, I never thought of it that way. I just think I have to bear this alone. This is my choice, and yeah. I don't want to burden anyone else with my choices. But if they want to help and they want to serve, don't, don't deprive them of that. Let them do it. And so that was a huge lesson for me to learn, to, to accept help. And I, there's no way I could, I could do it by myself. There's no way, and and that's something. And I thought I was an independent woman, and you know I could do it all. Seven kids, no problem. And you you can, but it's you're depriving other people of, for helping of helping you because they may not be able to take a kid up, but they can they can bring you a pizza. And it has helped me to learn how to serve others better. Um, instead of saying what do you need, sometimes you could just show up. Mm. Instead of saying, can I get you anything, send them a $50 Target gift card. When you ask, I think people don't know what to say. They're so overwhelmed. But yeah. if you just do it, then they'll accept it, if that makes sense at all.
0: Yeah, it does. I think our culture is so um, it values individualism and values yes. kind of pulling yourself up by your bootstraps mm-hmm. that our default reaction to do you need help is, no, I got this. But when somebody says – here's here's this thing, we're not going to turn it down, and, and we end up being really grateful for it.
1: Yes, yes, and, mm-hmm. and learning gratitude. Yeah. That's, that's been a really big thing, just being grateful and not arguing, just accepting it. <laughs> it's been a good lesson to learn for that's me. Great.
0: And what would you say that you have learned about God during this season of your life?
1: I think that he always provides a way He's working even even if we don't see it he's he's working he's weaving things together and he always has a plan and even if we think we are in charge we're actually really not and he is so he's so gracious and he's blessed us and think that trusting him is, is the only thing we can do and the Lord will fill in the gaps where you're just you just can't do it when you're not a good person or a good mom. His mercies are new every morning and he can turn an awful situation into a beautiful situation. I this our three year old's mom called me the other day or texted me the other day and it's like we always want you to be a part of his life we're a family now and if you would have asked me that two years ago I mean it was a completely different person but telling her you're praying for her sending her verses and and just songs and lyrics and anything the Lord can change lives Mm -hmm. um he can, and I just think showing Jesus to people, and that's the only way to do it. Um, but yes, he's he's always good, and he he always provides what we need.
0: Thank you so much for sharing um, all of this today. I um, I, I just love everything that you have talked about if you're listening and you're interested in finding out more about agape or about youth encouragement services that sarah referenced uh, you can visit ottercreek.org forward slash missions there's more information there or you can always send me an email at becky at ottercreek.org thank you so much again sarah for being here and for sharing your story and thank you all uh, for listening Uh, We'll see you next time. Core Stories is a ministry of Otter Creek Church. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or at ottercreek.org.